0: I love it. It's a good morning. It's good to be in church. It's good to see all your smiling faces. And you that aren't smiling, too. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's fantastic to be here. I love this time of year. Spring is in the air, there's a sense of potential. The flowers are starting to grow. Doing a little yard work yesterday. I can still walk, but barely. It's crazy. Time just keeps flying by. It's all good, though. I want to uh, kind of bring to your attention, just mention that Pentecost Sunday is Sunday, May 20th. So that's two Sundays from now. Um, It's Pentecost Sunday. It's a time that we celebrate um, God's faithfulness in the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. We celebrate that. So as we come together in that two weeks time, I want to encourage you to come with a sense of expectancy. Let's be praying for God to pour out his spirit. Let's be believing for a supernatural encounter with God. It's great, we're actually combining with Sun Life Church from over in Dartmouth. They're gonna be joining us uh, together so we can be kind of all united here in the, in the one space and we're really, really looking forward to that. Uh, pastor Chuck Kalates, who is their interim uh, pastor that's filling in there, he's gonna be speaking. So I'm looking forward to that, it'll be great to hear him. And one of the things we're gonna be doing that Sunday is the offering that's taken up the anything that's not designated on that Sunday morning will be going to Sun Life just to support the ministry in Dartmouth and what they're doing there so just want, kind of wanted to give you a heads up on that so I'm looking forward to that I'm excited to to be gathering with family and getting together in the house of the Lord and it should serve to be a fantastic Sunday money 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 everybody kind of looks what I want to do a bit of teaching on money here this morning and it's like oh the cringe factor everybody's like "Ooh, what did he just say you know the roll of the eyes the here we go you know those thoughts that creep into the mind the tendency to shut down to get defensive am i right i mean we all kind of do it i mean i've been there i've done that it's like it's understandable i've often done the same thing Um, especially sometimes in church circles uh, like some other topics that can raise the ire of some people in the church, or at least certain representatives of the church, have kind of tarnished the reputation of money in the uh, in the midst of the believers and the gathering together and uh, the way it's been handled, the way it's been talked about. There's been some horrible examples of stewardship, uh, some people in regards to church giving, generosity, the abuse of power. It's like that happens. Okay, that's. That's no, dis- this is a disclaimer there. So, so yeah, when the uh, when the preacher steps off to talk about money, it's not uncommon for people to get nervous. Okay, everybody just take a deep breath and relax, okay? It's all good. It's, it's going to be a, a message that you're going to be able to take something away from. I am not raising money to buy myself a private jet, okay, just so you know. Uh, the board is not negotiating on a villa in the south of France or something like that. I'm not scared that, you know, the bills aren't going to get paid and, that you know, like things like that. That's, that's not the heart of the reason that I'm doing this. I just want to shed some light on the concept of giving in the 21st century church, and I think it's going to be helpful for all of you and something we can all take away. If you're a guest here this morning or if you're new to, to Faith Tabernacle Church, I hope this message makes sense to you as well. It might be a chance for you to kind of to get a, a kind of an insider look at some of that. Um, we don't focus on money here at Faith, but we are not afraid to talk about it from time to time when it's needed and necessary. So it's like that's just kind of the, the preamble to where we're going. In case you don't know, and, and many of you would, but some of you might not understand, is that the ministry and operations of Faith Tabernacle Church are funded solely by the faithful support of those who give through tithes and offerings at the church each week. That's what pays the bills. That's what keeps ministry going. We're not supported by the Maritime District Office. We actually support them. You know, we're not supported by some huge trust fund tucked away somewhere, um, set up in the past. That's not there. The gov- We are not government funded. Although we did get one provincial grant to do a uh, a student to hire a student for the summer. So we're we're thankful for that. But that's that's the only thing that's coming in there. The truth is we are able to do what we do solely upon the generosity of people who give through you. If you give to the work of Faith Tabernacle Church, I just want to say thank you. God bless you. And I believe he will. I believe there's principles there that he will. I mean, this is an amazing church. I, I love this church. Um, I love my family. I love being part of this church family. It's, it's great because we often attempt to do more than you would expect to be able to do with the amount of people and the amount of funds that comes in in this church. Uh, the, the joke around the board table is like we, we fight above our weight class. And it's like, and that, and that's a kind of a boxing, wrestling term. But it's like, it's true. We we try to do more than we should be able to, and um, and I don't think we we realize how incredibly powerful God is in that. I mean, we're good stewards. We do what we can. We we want to make good strategic decisions. We we're committed to fiscal responsibility, and we trust God. Because faith is more than the name of this church. It's how we operate. And we believe in the power of God in faith. And you are a faithful and generous congregation, and I love that. Because when we honor God with our wealth, we're in a healthy place. I absolutely believe that. It's a healthy place to be. It's true of our church, but it's also true of every individual. And I think it's a good place to start to say that everything that we have is God's anyway. Really, we're starting from that place of it's God's anyway. I don't think we realize sometimes how gracious God is and how prone we are to forget that he is our source because ultimately God is our source. God is the means by which we can do what we do. In Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel. Okay, they've been in captivity in Egypt They've come out of that captivity. They've been traveling through the desert. God has miraculously provided food, water, protection on their journey throughout that time. And they're looking towards entering the promised land. So they're coming into the land of Canaan. They're about to do that. And Moses, he's gone over the Ten Commandments again and and talked about the covenant that they have. And then he gives them some instructions about dividing the land among the tribes. And he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Starting at verse 17, reading from the NIV, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18 in the NIV, and it should be up on the screen as well. So he's warning them, guys, like, don't get too self-sufficient here. You're about to go into the the promised land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be great. And he warns them with this. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. He says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so affirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as today. So he says, hey, remember, God gives you the strength to do it. There's nothing wrong with working hard to make a living. I I actually encourage that. That's important. There's nothing wrong with setting goals and achieving financial gains. I think that's important. It's good stewardship. But we must remember that God, remember God in all of that. Like, don't forget God. Like, in the midst of working hard, in the midst of making good choices, in the midst of all those things, remember God in the process. We honor God with our time, as an example. We honor God in our time by setting aside a day of the week. In our culture, it's Sunday, and they call it a Sabbath. We make that day special by worshiping together on Sunday. It's the first day of the week, and we honor God that way with our time. We honor God with our finances by tithing, something called the first fruits in the Old Testament. It's a way to honor God with our wealth, with our resources. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, again from the NIV. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now this is a principle. It's a principle of blessing. It's a promise in the Old Testament. Not many here this morning have barns or vats, unless you happen to be a farmer or own a vineyard. But the principle still applies. I mean, I grew up on a farm, so it's like a full barn is a good thing, especially in the fall. And it says, if you honor God with the first of the return of your labor, then God will bless the rest. I mean, that goes counter to our human nature. I mean, I know it does. We fight this all the time. If any of you are, are parents out there this morning, you know how quickly that beautiful little angel, pure and sweet, how quickly they learned to say the word mine. True, isn't it? Mine! Mine! Right? That's, I mean, it's so, so quick that we learn that. You know, yes, we're beautiful, sweet, and all that stuff, but mine. And you know what? We never grow out of that, really. It's, it's kind of in there. Now, we do learn to overcome it. We learn to, to operate in the power of God, to overcome our tendency to say, mine. But think about it with your time, with your finances, ladies, with your chocolate. Like, just think about those different things, like, Mine. So like those things come up, and we we think about that, but we overcome that. We push through that. And as we do that, we just learn to allow God to teach us to be generous. And the idea in the Old Testament was to show priority and recognize God's provision by giving back a portion of the harvest as an offering to God. So they were actually taking some of the harvest and, and bringing it to the temple. And it's the first First fruits. It's the first, not the leftovers. And God says, when they do, it's like, guys, you honor me with that stuff. You put me first. It's he says he will bless them abundantly, in a more than enough kind of way. And that's his promise in the Old Testament. That's what we read in Deuteronomy, that's what we read in Proverbs. Many other scriptures in the Old Testament talk about that blessing. Now you might be thinking, well, that's Old Testament. We're not in the Old Testament now, then we're not under law. That is true but the principle actually carries forward. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the New Testament church in Corinth. Just to give you a little bit of background, when when Paul was writing this letter, at the time that he wrote this letter to an actual church in an actual city called Corinth, the believers in Jerusalem were falling under hard times. They were... um, they were being persecuted. The believers in, in the Jerusalem church were being persecuted. Many of them were losing their jobs. There was a, there was a, a, a bit of a famine in the area. So they were many of them were, were facing hardships and going hungry. And the churches around the region that, that Paul was traveling to, these new churches that were planted and, and, and growing, they decided to take up a relief fund, to take up a collection to help out. And, and Paul was traveling around the region, and he, and he um, around, around the region collecting the funds to be taken back to the leaders in, Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem church to be distributed as needed. And he encouraged the church in Corinth with this. We're reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 11 in the NIV, and, and we're putting them up on the screen so you, you know that I'm not making these up. You can actually look them up yourself. They're there. And he says this, so he... So the background, right? They're taking up a collection. They're they're receiving an offering to be able to, to take back to the church in Jerusalem. And he says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I mean, that's a great scripture. I mean, that's Paul talking to the New Testament believers, and the principle is the same as what we read in Proverbs, what we see read in in the other Old Testament scriptures. Giving to the church to resource them to meet the needs in the community results in a more than enough supply from God. This is not a get-rich scheme. Okay, let's let's make that very clear. God is not an ATM this is not even really an investment strategy although it is this is a faith journey of giving generously and in the process actually receiving see it's interesting for for some here this morning something like $35 a week would be a sacrifice now others of you here spend that much on coffee Right? So it's like, in comparison, they're not the same. But it's about the heart, not the amount. It's about the resources that we have, and it's about proportion, not the amount. It's about a proportion of what we have. We live in a chronically materialistic culture. It's true. If you look around, we live in a chronically materialistic culture. It's rampant. We're inundated. Think about this see if this is not true we're inundated with ads about things that promise contentment that they can't give by buying things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like is that not true I mean it's just you know the the, the fiscal, the financial state of our country If you think about it and any of you guys that are in finance would probably nod at this. I hope you would If the prime rate if the prime interest rate was to go up even 1% Like a whole percentage point. There's many households in our country that wouldn't be able to make ends meet With the indebtedness that we carry It's a sense of like ugh. That's kind of the nature of where we live now I want to read to you from Matthew chapter six, verses nineteen to twenty-one in the NIV. Matthew chapter six. We live in that reality; it, it's crazy. But Matthew chapter six, starting at verse nineteen, says, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven." Interesting how what's that look like and he says but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also hmm okay then it says the eye is the lamp of the body and this seems like when I first read this I said that's out of place like this next scripture said the eye is the lamp of the body if your eye is healthy your whole body is full of light like what's that got to do but context context constants he's talking about money in the verses before he's talking about money in the verses after and if you actually go to a commentary which i did (laughs) it says if your eyes are healthy that implies generous in this circumstance so so if you you could read it the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are generous your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy which implies stingy if your eyes are stingy your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light within you is darkness if then the generosity within you is stinginess how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other you can't serve both god and money it's like he's really getting into our business here he's getting up in our face and he's saying hmm you see, money is a great servant. Money is a fantastic servant, but a terrible master. And you don't have to have it to be ruled by it. Now, I'm not saying having things is wrong. Please don't, get, don't read that into what I'm saying. We are blessed, and that is fantastic. We live in a blessed country. That's not a sin. I'm not saying that having things is wrong. I'm saying that sometimes things have us. And I'm not suggesting that giving that results, you know, that we should give to the point where it's hardship, that we're, we put ourselves into jeopardy, that we're in a mess ourselves. I'm not suggesting that you give that results in hardship. I'm suggesting that some of us may be in hardship because we're not giving. everybody comment, ugh. Say amen or ouch and just... See, when it was pews, I was good. Nobody could throw anything, but now it's like I'm watching for chairs, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself here this morning. It's all good. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. Paul, again, um, I really encourage you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 when you go home from here, remembering the context of the offering for the Jerusalem church and so on. So he's still talking to the, the church in Corinth, and this goes right along with the other scripture I pulled in there. And he says, For if the willingness is there, if you're willing, the gift is accepted according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Getting that? All right? It's acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed but that there might be equality as i said i encourage you to read read all that together see ultimately god doesn't want your money he wants your heart and if god has our hearts he has our money our time our willingness our resources our hopes our dreams like he has it all so don't if this is a message about money and yet in some ways it's not he wants our hearts and that's important because that's really where we want because it says you know treasure hearts how they're linked together we want to make sure that god is at the center of this all first timothy Chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. And again, context. Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a young leader. He's been put in, he's been put as, a, as a, an overseer of a church. And he's, he's doing a great job there. And he, he, Paul is like mentoring him. He's feeding into him. He's explaining some things to him. And he's speaking to Timothy. And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 17, NIV. It says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I love that scripture because he's not condemning those that have money. He's not saying that there's anything wrong with that. He's, you know, he's saying, you know, it, just warn them, don't be arrogant. If you've got money, don't put your hope in it. Put your hope in God. God provides richly for us to enjoy. It's like, there's nothing wrong with enjoying what you have. And he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves. Remember, we backed up there as like, hmm, what's that look like? You know, laying treasures in heaven, like don't put treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. It says, in this way, they lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and life and abundance. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We, we, we sang that this morning. We're talking about having a sense of really, really living, really enjoying life, a true life, and that comes through generosity. where We're not ruled by our finances, but we rule over our finances. We're good stewards. We're generous. generous. Investment is a reflection of the heart. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. And again, I want to I again say thank you for how faithful, that this is a faithful church. I mean, God bless you. And if, I, if you haven't yet, I want to encourage you to reflect on what the Bible says about giving and consider, consider how you might apply that to your present situation. Like it's important that we, we think about these things. Sometimes we just kind of bump along and, and we kind of get to a certain point and we wonder how we got there and sometimes that's true of our finances as well. And so I just encourage you to do that. Um, I'm actually going to ask the, the team to come back as, uh, as I continue down through the last of this. In, in this building, in, in the month of April, in the month of April alone, There's been four community concerts in this room where the community has come in in this building. That's not counting an international tattoo supper that was in the lower auditorium, the seniors exercise groups that meet here, the Golden Treasures Luncheon, the Iranian service that that they hold here weekly, the Filipino service that's held here weekly, the church down the road that used the building for baptisms the same way that we did baptisms here a couple weeks ago because they don't have a baptism tank of their own, all without charging for facility use. It was provided free of charge to all those groups. Um, And you might say, well, why would we do that Why wouldn't we charge? I mean, it's a great facility. Why would we just offer it without charging to the community? Because we are blessed to be a blessing. Because we are the city's church. Because we are being missional. Because this building is a tool to reach our city, not a fortress in which to hide from it. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Because we believe generosity reflects the heart of God, and that's made possible because people give. That is awesome. I love it. we can do that, and it's intentional, and it's ongoing, and it will continue. You know, we've been able to upgrade this building because people give, and we're going to continue to upgrade this building. It needs work. And then we're going to keep working on it. We're going to keep making it better. Right now, we have a basement full of kids and a nursery full of little ones. Because people give. That's why that's possible. We have a standing in the gap ministry to people living on the streets and a van to go with it. Because people give. We run G-Rock, ministering to kids at risk. Because people give. We're able to support missionaries like Harlan and Helene Purdy who were here last week and the Webs, who are going to be here in July. Why? Because people give. We baptized seven people here a couple weeks ago in a little tank that's behind that screen. We were able to do that because people give. We're going to reach further into our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ this year than we ever have before. Because faithful people like you and me continue to give. Sometimes when it hurts, but always for the glory of God. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that this word gets translated. God, I thank you that you are a generous God. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave. And Lord, the price that you were willing to pay was just far above anything that we can imagine. God, when I think about my own kids, my own son, To think of sacrificing him for a bunch of yahoos like the rest of it is just the rest of us is just not even on my radar but god you look through a different lens than we do and god so i thank you for your generosity and lord i pray lord as i've shared these thoughts as i've shared your scriptures as i've shared these different verses and references lord i pray god that you would translate that into meaningful um helpful blessed information for folks Lord, that the heart of what I was saying would be, would be your heart for your people. God, if, if there was anything that I said and I got sideways and got wrong, Lord, and there was a fence in it, Lord, I just pray you would cover that with your spirit and with your blood, Lord. There was, Lord, no intention of that in this, but Lord, I believe that there's blessing in your word. Lord, I believe that there is blessing in obedience to your word, and Lord, I believe that there are folks here this morning, Lord God, that Lord, that the truth of your word is gonna unlock blessing in their lives. So, God, I just pray that you will do that even now. Lord, that you will unlock things in people's lives that will that will bring life, will bring resources, Lord, will bring truth. And, God, as we stand here together unified in your spirit, unified in this place, God, I pray you would continue to pour out your spirit, that you would continue to pour out blessing. And, God, we're going to continue to give, God, because we look around us, we look in our city, we look at this building, we look at so many things, ministries, opportunities, Lord, There's so much to be done. There's so much need. There's so much opportunity. God, I believe we live in a city of opportunity where the opportunity for ministry has been greater than it has ever been. And the opportunity for this church and the churches in our city is greater than it's ever been. And God, we want to resource that. We want to get behind that. We want to see lives transformed for the glory of God. We want to see families redeemed for the glory of God. We want to see those without to have for the glory of God. We want to see those down, lifted for the glory of God. We want to see those without Lord, blessed, shaken down, running over with the blessings of God. So, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us in Jesus' name. talked about God's generosity, and that's never more reflected than in the cross and what he was willing to do for us on the cross. And we're about to go into communion here this morning. i asked ask the, the communion team to be able to come and, and do that, that let's remember, even as we take communion this morning, the cost and the investment that God was willing to make in us as we reflect on that ourselves.